And I must say, this is a question and a conversation that always intrigues me. Mm. Money, partnerships, specifically romantic relationships, and of course, uh, the spillover effects that it might have in times of breakups. But let's talk about when things are good to adequately prepare for when things do go pear-shaped and perhaps there is a split or separation. When we're in love, what are the fundamental questions we should be evaluating or discussing when it does come to money? And maybe we also need to talk about the context of the relationship, whether it be marriage, mm. the marital contracts, and even cohabitating and how that also plays an influence versus just dating. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's quite important. And these are conversations we never actually want to have, mm. uh, especially when we are in the love phase. Um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people uh, get into relationships and midway the relationships as a breakup, but there was a lot of stuff that was not spoken about. True. Or there's a lot that you discover once you're in the relationship. So I always say, for example, if you're going to get into a serious relationship, such as a marriage uh, with someone, it's important to sit down and evaluate certain key things. I think the first thing is understanding what income and what is their you know, uh, type of spending. Mm. The reason why income is important, remember, when we come into a marriage, we're going to be building a life together. True. So one of the things is, if you're going to marry me, are we going to be able to buy the house that we want? Are we going to be able to afford the lifestyle that we want? So it's important for both parties to actually sit down and say, this is what I earn, and the other party says, this is what I earn. But also understand what are your expenses, you know? Mm. And I think one of the important things that makes transparency as well, it's going as far as asking for a credit report. A credit report... Hey. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> It's getting uncomfortable now. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. But why a credit report? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you're going to be able to see the behavior. Mm. What is the relationship that this person has with debt? You know, do they pay their debts on time? How exposed are they? You mm-hmm. know, and you'd then be able to make those determination whether... Hmm, because these are some of the things that would then inform what kind of marriage contract you get into. True. And I think the other important thing as well that we never, ever talk about, especially I think, you know, if I look at the dynamics around black families, yes. is the family dynamics. So understanding what the family structure is and what are your responsibilities to mm-hmm. your family is very important because a lot of us live home. However, we still have a mother to take care of or we still have a brother or a sister that we're putting through varsity. Mm-hmm. These are key things that are going to impact the relationship, the finances of the relationship that are going to take money away from the relationship. So it's very important to understand those dynamics before you get into a relationship because you don't want to find yourself in a situation where, you know, husband or wife wants to take money home and now you've got a problem. You know, because it's something that we never spoken about and I think, you know, they always say as wives, we don't want husbands to take money home but we want to take it to our homes Mm -hmm. but it's very important to understand those dynamics so that as partners, as you, you, you budget, you budget not only for your own needs, but also for those family members that you have been taking care of. Because you can't just get married and decide, because now I've got a wife or I've got a husband, I can no longer take care of my parents or I can no longer take care of my brother. True. You know, So it's important to understand those family dynamics and to what extent they go. And then it makes you then decide, you know, hmm, is this going to work for me? Mm. Hmm, is this not going to work for me? Because I, I think a lot of the time, you know, you really need to think beyond the love phase. 
to say this yes. is a lifetime commitment that I'm making. What's going to happen in the next three years, five years, and stuff like that? And I think also you need to understand what is the what 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 is the relationship that this person has with their finances. You yes. know, what is their outlook in terms of planning? Mm. Uh, what it is that they have in place? Do they have investments? Do they have retirement? But also what it is that they think about those things? Because there's a lot of planning, you know, when you get into a marriage. And also you need to understand as well, the financial aspect is important because at some point you're going to have kids. Oh, for is sure. this the kind of person that would be with me in taking care of the children, will they be willing to contribute financially? So true. And those are conversations you need to have before you make that commitment. And even the purchases of assets, right? You don't want to see someone driving in with a brand new car and they didn't tell you anything. Then they tell you they can't afford to pay for groceries or the Mm -hmm. electricity bill. And and, and as you can tell, it can go on. It can. Yeah. And Queen, as you've highlighted, these are the critical conversations to have beforehand when it comes to entering into a relationship and typically marriage or a more long-term serious commitment in terms of partnership. As we know, many people might brush over this uh, and it's typically when one is separating from their partner that the reality of the financial shock comes in and uh, again sometimes it can be gloves off as a battle and bitterness can ensue so talk us through I guess some of the fundamentals that one should be considering before you know uh, even splitting and I'm assuming understand your affairs firstly what you have what you don't have what is short what might be uh, adequately covered but how do we do that without I think, yeah. you know, w- one of the important things, and that's why the, the conversations I spoke about are important before you get into a relationship. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of us, we do not have those conversations. I mean, typically when we are in a marriage or in a long-term relationship, we might buy assets together. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even if we don't buy together, but we are, have shared financial responsibility. For example, you know, the husband could be or the, the partner could be paying for the bond. You are taking care of the other household expenses. So you need to then think about, okay, if this marriage or this relationship is now going to end, what is my lifestyle going to look like? Would I still be able to live in this house that I'm comfortable in? Would I still be able to afford this lifestyle that I have currently? Mm -hmm. Because remember, when we stay together, it's through joint income. You bring your 20,000, I bring your 20,000, it's 40,000, it does more. Mm -hmm. But the moment we separate, it's just 120,000. So would you be able to still have the same lifestyle with that 20,000? And I think it gets a bit more complex if there's children involved. Because remember, if it's just me and you, you know, we can figure it out. True. But the moment there's children, it's also understanding with your partner, would they still be willing to contribute to raising those children? Would they still be willing to contribute exactly the same as they were whilst you were still together mm. because possibilities are they might not be willing to mm. you know so you need to and I, and I think sometimes you know breakups are very hurtful uh, when relationships end you know we, we are in a lot of pain and yeah. sometimes we don't take time to really sit down and think around and talk about these things so I always say to people as painful as it is you know sit down with your partner and say yes we've come to the end of this thing so what is the ideal? What needs to happen now? And then you'll understand where you stand in terms of the property, where you'll stand in terms of expenses, where you stand in terms of any other financial obligations that you might be jointly sharing. Mm-hmm. And then you can then start crafting your own way to say what it is that I need to do here. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, unfortunately for, for most people, um, you know, and, and in my personal experience, I can tell you, I mean, when I got divorced the first time, I had to downscale, seriously. Mm. You know, I had to move out of February 
from home. We moved back home. Yes, I had <laughs> to move there. And, and, and with children as well, you know, and you move into a small property and also you have to adjust your lifestyle. So all the niceties that you need to have, you might not be able to afford on a single income. Mm. So you need to look at those things and actually be practical to say, what adjustments do I need to make? But also have an honest conversation, you know, with your spouse or your partner to say, let's be frank. You know, what are the things that you're still going to be able to help us with, to support us with? And what are the things that you're not going to be doing? Yeah. But also it's important not to place your full reliance on the person. Hey, because expectations. Expectations Ooh. are a killer, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so when you do this budgeting, you know, budget it looking at your own income alone. Yes. You know, if the additional income comes, you know, even I mean, even better. Yes. But also think around what would I be able to do with this income alone? And it, you might have to sell the property. You know, mm. you might have to go find a smaller property somewhere. You might have to go back home. It's the reality of the matter. And I think, you know, and, and this is some of the things, the financial aspects, the issues that we experience is sometimes what keeps people in relationships when they no longer want to be there. Because they are afraid, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose this. But what we don't realize is that the longer you stay, Oh, you probably yeah, you still ac- accumulating stuff. Values of what you had is still growing, and also maybe debts might also be growing. Yes, you know. You raise such an important point here, Queen, especially when people stay or again caught up in the emotions and you managing the expectations and the financial responsibilities. Sometimes we forget the, ne- the necessity of paperwork, uh, especially in marriage or partnerships where it's been formalized, because you might have your partner uh, on your pension fund statements mm-hmm. and as a beneficiary, you might still have them in your will uh, or any other. Uh, beneficiaries on any investments the way where they've been asked uh, for you to actually share who your dependents are and who to communicate with. How important is it to make sure that you go back not only to see how much you have but who you are likely appointed to bequeath this wealth that you've been investing? Because sometimes we get lost in it uh, and focus on the emotion and the devil is still in the detail. Yeah, the devil is in the detail and I think risks in life uh, don't have a clock to say where do they happen. So it's very important that even though you may be going through a whole lot of the stuff, you then take out, you know, things such as at work, you know, who are the people that I put as my next of kin? Mm-hmm. Because when we have a spouse or a partner, that hey. is ideally the person that we put, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, who do I change that to? Um, things such as my, your policies, um, you know, I mean, with every policy, whether yes. it's an investment, it's a funeral policy, it's a, it's a life cover, there is a beneficiary mm-hmm. uh, that you've noted there. Who are those people that you've put as beneficiaries? Are they still relevant? You still want them to be there. Things such as medical aid, you know, were you on your spouse's medical aid or were they on your medical aid? Mm-hmm. Uh, because remember now, if they were on your medical aid, it's, it's also an opportunity to start saving some money. Oh, yes. You know, they now need to go find their own medical aid. You remove them and then you, you actually then, you know, lessen the burden that you had. Um, wealth, very important. Yes. Very, very important. Mm. Um, it's important to review your world and actually update your world. Can I ask a question? And this one just popped into my yes. mind right now. And, and I think given natural scenarios that do occur, where individuals do get are married, have their spouse in their will, separate, divorce. The divorce decree is issued and it's understood that these people have separated and divorced. And then perhaps a year or two later, death happens and occurs. Does the surviving spouse still have the right to say, well, I am in the will, even though uh, we divorce subsequently and the decree is there as proof? How would that be contested or debated and argued? No, just because we separated, if I'm still in your will, I'm still in your will. But Legally, I'm still entitled to what you've placed there. It was a mistake not to take you off. No. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There's no mistake to take me off. That's why it is important, very much important to actually update your will. Mm. Similarly to a life cover. 
If, yes, I, if yes. I've got a life cover right now and my spouse is the beneficiary and we divorce, three years down the line, I haven't updated or changed. Should I die? Whoever I have nominated as that beneficiary, even if they're no longer my partner, they're entitled to whatever money is there. Mm. All the funds are them and no one can even contest it. Got you. Speaking of the updates to these details and, of course, uh, times, dates and stamps, how do we make sure that all of it is authorized and how do people actually check? Because I think sometimes it feels like such an overwhelming task uh, that we're scared to check or we're uncertain and we don't know what documentation to follow through with. I think what's, in, I mean, lately a lot of things is available digitally. I mean, I, I was sitting actually today actually updating and looking at my beneficiary list and stuff like that. So for, with most insurers, you can actually go into the systems, go into your uh, policies, go into your portfolio and actually look at how do I update it. And if you have a financial advisor, the best person to contact is your financial advisors because they'll be able to update most of your stuff across, yes. including your will as well. And I think it's important for most people to realize that these things are not just to be left when we separate. Mm. It's important to annually actually sit down and review to say, my status, is it the same as it what, what it was last year? Mm-hmm. What are the key things that I need to change? I mean, if you have children, children grow. True. I mean, for example, I've got a 24-year-old and a 20-year-old that's starting varsity. And obviously, the distribution of mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my assets, should anything happen to me, cannot be equally distributed because the younger one may need more money as they still have to go through to school. True. So it's important to make sure that continually you look at these things and you actually update them. I think one of the other critical things that most people uh, forget uh, when, we, when we're talking about wealth is that if you have minor children, Google, it's very important to ensure that you state on your will that whatever you leave behind for them, it's put in a testamentary trust. Ah, testamentary. Yes. Testamentary trust only gets created on your death. Mm-hmm. It's not like a living trust which you create whilst you're still alive, which needs Got to you. be maintained. There's taxes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The reason why it's important to do that is to protect whatever inheritance you're leaving for your children, especially the ones that are minors. Mm-hmm. I know we always trust our partner or we always trust our mother, our sister, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And appoint guardians. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Imagine a scenario where someone has never held five million in their hands Ooh. and now you've left them with five million for your children. How certain are you that that money is going to be used towards your children mm. and their lifelong you know, needs and their schooling and stuff like that? I think we see it a lot of the times what happens. Mm. So you protect it by doing that and making sure that whatever your children are entitled to is secured and is safe. And whichever insurer is looking after that, it will go into a beneficiary fund. They will ensure that you know, the needs of the child are taken care of, school fees, all of those things. But they will not be abused that could have potentially happened should you have not done that. And I think a lot of the things why it's important to do that, that pe- most people forget is that we could separate as partners. Mm-hmm. You're still the mother. I'm still the, the other party, still the father of the child. Yes. They are the biological guardian. So if you've got minor children and one of the parents you know, or dies, you may have, uh, 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 you know, elected your mother as the guardian or, or you may have left the, the, the minor child with the, with the, with the money. The ex-husband or the father who was your ex-boyfriend as the biological guardian is the first person that can be considered to look after that child. Hmm. So if you do not protect the inheritance that you've left behind for your child, it could end up falling in the hands that you don't want it to fall into. That's queen. And I think this is something that a lot of people don't know, that an ex-boyfriend and an ex-husband an ex-wife, an ex-girlfriend can actually come and say, okay, they've left five million for this child. It's not protected in any way. Exactly. I'm the mother. I'm the biological mother. I'll use it and as because the child is the minor, 
the money belongs to the child so who automatically gets that money mm. the guardian who mm. is the biological guardian and can use the it as they see fit and as long as they substantiate that they exactly. think it's in the best interest of the child so if buying a new bmw that i'll be driving uh, saying i'm transporting the child is what i think is best then ooh, it yeah. can get messy i think you can tell how i'm ex- excited i'm getting by this conversation because <laughs> no, it, it's so can, relevant it right? can get very messy um it, it can get very messy and it, it brings me back to issue around you know what we spoke about in the beginning with regards to you know asking people around income debt mm. um you know family dynamics because then it helps you decide what kind of marriage contract you want to get into 100 percent. people don't realize that you know I, I mean we we have a lot of people that are in a jinx at the moment lobola was paid we never finished but the fact of the matter is that you still that person's wife yeah in community of property mm. you know and people ask when are the right times to actually consider a marital contract I always say when Sipo or Dudu, you sit and you discuss that you want to get married. Before, you know, when, when they send that letter to your family for the Lobola, mm. before you even, the uncle said, before anything gets done, visit a lawyer. Together. Together. Got you. Would you also Understood. say a financial advisor just yes. to balance the conversation? See and a have financial a advisor in terms of what your plans are. But I think it's important to see a lawyer in terms because for marriage contracts, you need to particularly yes. speak to an attorney. Yes. And they will then guide you in terms of, you know, the, the, the different um, marriage contracts, COP, you know, ANC with accrual, mm-hmm. ANC without accrual. And then you can then determine what is best for you. And if you decide to go and get married ANC, you know, you can start the process then. They even give you a letter so that by the time the negotiations start, you then come back and say to your parents, to your uncle, me and my person, we've decided to get married ANC either with accrual or without accrual. Mm. And why I, I, I know, you know, in the olden days, we, we never really knew much and we never really had much options. Mm-hmm. And the default was always community of property. Oh, yeah. But what people need but, to understand. Exactly. <laughs> and what it means is that if you've got debt. Yes. Now it's mine. You know, whatever you own, it, now it's ours. You understand? And even when we separate, we're going to share. Mm. And you might end up actually losing more than what you you both came in with, you know. So it's very important then you discuss the financial implications of the relationship beforehand. Decide on the type of contract that you want to get to to ensure that at the end, I mean, there's two ways that a relationship end: that death or um, yeah. or, or, or divorce, divorce or separation. Mm. But you need to, you know, I always say when you get into a relationship, one of the things we fail to do, <coughs> we've, we we only plan for the relationship. We don't plan for the end of it. But when you get into a relationship, plan for the end of it as well. That is so refreshing that you say that because we always believe things will last forever and we forget that death is also a consequence. Doesn't always have to be divorce. Yes, it's not just divorce, but it's also death. And I think some of the things that I've mentioned are really important as well when, when one of the parties die. 100%. 100%. You know, a will, a life cover, yeah. all of those things are quite crucially important. Updating of beneficiaries, critically, critically important. Queen, I think we need to have a series of these conversations because there are many people, as you say, who are stuck uh, and jinxed in situations and circumstances that they're unsure how to handle and perhaps choose to, you know, continue to walk in ignorance because it's too difficult and painful and scary sometimes to face the reality of what, you, what you've mentioned. And I appreciate that you've also encouraged us to make sure that we do seek uh, legal help and financial help. There was a question that came through from one of our listeners here, Wendy Isaac, uh, who actually asked, how does one make sure the conversation starts off on a basis of equality, especially where people might come from different classes, ethnic backgrounds, economic backgrounds, uh, and there might be a perception that you're looking to, to benefit from the next person. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation.
I needed you when I was 23 years old. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> it's, never t- it's, 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 it's never too late. Um, right? It's I never think too we late. Air, we air and yeah. then we learn. You know? and, and I always say it's never too late to change your circumstances. It's never too late to change your decisions. Yeah. But unfortunately, it could be probably too late for people that are married in committee of property because <laughs> that's a difficult one. To so now change. they need to know how to navigate. Now it. they need to know how to yeah. navigate you know, the financial that's implications true. of the different marriage contracts, especially that one. Thank goodness our realities can change and that's because of the help that you and your yes. colleagues do uh, uh, emphasize yeah. in the market. Such a pleasure speaking to you and wishing you a wonderful festive season. Can't wait to touch base with you again in the new year because Ratseba February oh Valentine yeah, Valentine then we get lost in it. We need you back. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd, I'd, I'd really appreciate that so we can help them plan then. Definitely. Because I think we come back in the new year with a whole lot of new resolutions. Yeah. So let's chat again and make sure that we help people how to make the financial decisions and 100%. the right financial decisions. Such a delight speaking to you this evening, Queen. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kuku. And if you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.